Hello and welcome back to another episode of Fully Booked, the Hidden Gems author podcast, in which Craig Touch and myself, Roland Hume, chat about this crazy industry we're in of writing and self-publishing. We've got a very special episode uh, planned for you today, so we don't have a special guest except the special guest himself, Craig Touch, owner and founder of Hidden Gems and author himself. How are you doing today, Craig, and what have we got in store for people? I'm doing well, thanks, uh, Roland. I think, you know, we wanted to um, just sort of catch up together uh talk a little bit about um you know one of the episodes this upcoming because i want to do something uh, try something a little bit different where we're going to sort of ask for uh, some feedback uh maybe some possible questions from people um but also then just sort of look back at the you know the last few months since the beginning of the year um you know the podcast has been growing a bit you know and and we're we're you know, we're not a huge podcast. We we knew going in, it was never going to be massive because our audience is only just authors, right? But but we're still we're we're slowly creeping up there. We're up to you know probably clo- getting close to about two hundred listens listeners per episode on average. Um, <clears throat> so I thought it would be cool to sort of like uh, go over the top five uh, episodes that have um, you know in terms of popularity. Uh, that have that we've done um, since the beginning of the year, and uh, and just you know talk a little bit about them in case people miss them, but also in case there's uh, you know new thoughts about them or or uh, places to sort of dig in a little deeper. Um, and then uh, next week we'll get back to the regular scheduled program with you know this one specific uh, episode that's upcoming. That like I said, I want to want to sort of get some feedback on. Yeah, I'm kind of excited about that one. So that sounds great. Where are we going to get started then? Well, so so one of the things that I talked about, and I you know I was talking to you about this earlier. I can't remember if we had mentioned it on a podcast or in a in a blurb, maybe or not a blurb, a uh, a newsletter that I had sent, or or maybe even we mentioned it on one of the blogs. But you know, back um, last, I think it was late last year. Uh, the big news was uh, Brandon Sanderson, very well-known author, uh, started a Kickstarter, and his goal was, you know, a million dollars, and he was going to write four books. Um, and his Kickstarter went, you know, viral, went crazy. And he, I was just looking at it now. It's a lot higher than it was when I last looked at it. It's closed off now, as far as I understand. But it was at, it got to $41 million, almost $42 million. <laughs> which is absolutely crazy. Uh, I mean, isn't that isn't that crazy though? I mean that's like that's not the kind of money you think of when you think of authors and especially not like self-published authors. I mean that's phenomenal. No. I mean I I it just blows me away. Um and the idea he's already he was already a big name and he was going to do it for a million dollars, which is already a big ask, but you know, he has a a built-in audience. He's um you know, for fantasy and, and all that stuff. He's, he's a, he's a well-known author, but $41 million, like he's getting $10 million a book. Like people are not even big name authors aren't getting that kind of advance from, from traditional publishers anymore. Yeah. I mean, not even close. I mean, that's, you're talking like you're talking JK Rowling money there, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. It's, I mean, and this like, it, it was for four books that he hasn't even written yet. So I, I don't know. It's, it's crazy to me, but it's sort of, you know, talks to the idea of crowdfunding your book and and whether or not that is something that other authors can do. And and to be honest, like I had heard about people doing Kickstarters, but never necessarily successfully, or certainly not anywhere near this successfully. And then, you know, he went and did his and and I thought that was kind of a one off, but you know, it's come to my attention recently that it's not really a one off. They actually Kickstarter actually has you know, a publishing sort of section and, and people that, that run those projects. Um, and so what we did is we reached out and, and next, um, next week we'll be recording an episode with uh, the director of publishing and comics outreach for Kickstarter. Uh, she's going to come on the show and she's going to talk all about Kickstarter and, and working, how they work with authors and, and what authors can do and how they can best, you know, set up, a kickstarter and what they can expect all that all that good stuff i mean that's incredible though because it's it's like it changes the model we always think of oh if you're a self-published author you write your book and hopefully you sell enough copies to pay for you to write the next book and then you sell more copies this kind of 
wouldn't it be a dream if you were a self-published author of like you getting the money first and then you can pay yeah. your mortgage and just focus on writing the book i mean that's that seems like a dream come true and apparently it's a dream that people are pursuing and with success yeah I know. I, I don't really know a lot of the details about it yet because I haven't uh, spoken to her. Um, but I, you know, I saw some some information about it, and it looks very interesting to me. I saw some numbers, and um, so I thought it would be really cool to have her on the show. And what I thought would be even cooler is if people that see this episode, um, if they're interested in Kickstarter and and have some thoughts about it and have some questions. If they want to send that into us before next week, before, uh, you know, before Tuesday of next week. So before May 16th, um, you know, we can try and ask, uh, we can try and ask Oriana if, um, you know, well, we'll get the answers from her, you know, but, um, but, you know, like, it's not a big deal. I, I realize that this is sort of rushed. Like this is going to come out on um, May 10th or no, May 11th. And then, you know, we're, we're recording with her on the 16th. So there's only a few days, but it gives them, it, it gives listeners the weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. If they think of anything that they want to ask her, send it in to us, leave it in the comments below, or uh, even send us an email through the website, or if you have our email address. Um, and then, uh, you know, we'll, we'll pass along to her. And if not, that's no problem. Like we have lots of questions we can ask her, but I just thought it would be kind of neat if, uh, if anybody has any out there in the, in the, listening audience if they want this will this will give them a chance to to ask directly to kickstarter i think that's fantastic i mean it's, it's really cool to have like an organization like kickstarter come on as well and i know when i listen to podcasts sometimes I'm, they have like the readers questions or the hosts never ask the questions you want so like this is the opportunity to actually ask a question that is relevant to you Right. Well, I hope we do ask the questions that people want, but yeah, I agree. <laughs> Sometimes, I mean, we probably miss some that are important. So, uh, yeah. So listen, if you guys are out there and you're, and you're interested in Kickstarter and thinking about it and you have anything you want to make sure that we cover, send it in to us and we will be sure to, uh, to ask it next week. And then that episode, um, I don't know for sure if it's going to come out on the next thursday or it'll be either be next thursday or the thursday after um so you know these questions will get answered pretty quickly that is going to be really exciting yeah so then uh then the other thing i mentioned is that um i thought would be fun to go through sort of the top uh five podcasts that we've done this year um and in terms of uh, popularity, in terms of the listens on the on the different um, audio-only podcast sites as well as on YouTube, so combined, I sort of went through the numbers and added them all up. And so um, we'll we'll go through them and we'll we'll uh, we'll talk about each one. So let's start with number five, and we'll work our way down to number one, where number one being you know which the most popular of uh, of the topics, right? So number five was episode 53 with Kay Webster uh, about Patreon. And Oh, and it, that's a really interesting one because it kind of ties in with, with the Kickstarter. So it, people yeah, are interested, yeah. clearly. Yeah, I mean, you know, the idea with Patreon is that people are sort of paying you for um, extra stuff often, right? Whereas Kickstarter... I mean, similar. Kickstarter also gives lots of things, right? With Kickstarter, you, you sign up for... Um, you, you become sort of a backer of the project, but different levels of backing. So if you give you know, 10 bucks, then you get the, you know, the book. And then if you give 20 bucks, you get like a, like a hardcover version of the book. And then if you give 50 bucks, you get like a signed gold hard, you know, whatever. So uh, with Patreon, it's, it's sort of different um, in the sense that you sign up sort of as a ongoing subscriber and um, there's, but there can be different levels with that as well. And it doesn't even have to be Patreon. I, I remember in the episode, uh, Kay Webster had talked about how she started with Patreon, but then she moved to um, some sort of a membership um, program that was not Patreon, but that she ran right through her website. If you, oh, which, uh, yeah, and cuts out the middleman completely. Yeah, exactly. Right. Because obviously Patreon has taken their cut, which is fine. I mean, yeah. especially if you're just starting, it's not, it's not like they take a huge amount. Right. But it also probably gives you more control, but it also is more work. So you have to make sure that 
it's worth it. And you have to be tech savvy enough and have a website and all that stuff. So I think, you know, for, for most people, they would at least want to start with Patreon. And then, you know, if they feel very uh, confident in, in doing it themselves and they can, and, and it's going well, then, you know, maybe they could move and do, uh, do some sort of a, non-patreon version of it on their own website yeah that that episode is a really good one to listen to and it's funny since then i've spoken to because you know we got started in this business by writing naughty stories so to speak and uh there are some authors who who write naughty stories who now have patreon rather than trying to publish them individually because you know there are there are people who are really into whatever niche it is that they cater to and so they would like a patreon so they get regular stories without having to you know buy them individually as ebooks of amazon and then have yeah, and that's one. a that's a great idea, right? Because those erotic shorts are are generally, I mean, you can still sell them on Amazon, but they make it tough, right? They, you know, they'll dungeon you, and 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 plus, you know, people don't necessarily want to pay um, two ninety nine or whatever it is for for a five thousand word short story. You know, when we started, everyone was paying that, and that was fine, right? But then yeah. you know, things changed, and and novels became a thing, so we shifted to novels, and that was fine too. But there are people out there that still write erotic short stories, and and this gives them sort of a way to, you know, get this whole bunch of people that are willing to say pay them whatever five bucks a month, ten bucks a month, and then they'll get, uh, I don't know how many stories they're getting for that, but you know, they they get them on a regular basis, basically, right? And they also don't show up in your custom, you know, your 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 shopping box when your wife <laughs> to go and grab That's them. true. That's true. All of a sudden, you're also bots when your kid goes and says he wants to buy a, you know, a teddy bear, and then you pull it up, and all your also bots are littered with uh, erotic uh, erotic. What, what's your reverse harem, daddy? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, it's a it's a great thing. Plus, you know, you don't have to pay. Well, I guess you, you're still paying uh, Patreon a cut. You don't have to pay Amazon a cut, I guess. But um, but yeah, I think that you know it allows you to um, probably do a lot more. Uh, I don't know the particulars of people that are doing that, but I can already think of a whole bunch of things. Obviously, you know, you can pump out those five thousand word short stories faster than you can pump out novels. So you're probably delivering you know, a, a nice steady stream to your subscribers. And maybe there are some extras that they can give uh, as well. I remember Kay Webster talked a lot about um, some of the things that she was giving out. And I remember that they, a lot of them were, were really interesting ideas. Like she had alternate versions and, and uh, like hard covers, a specific, uh, you know, fancy, fancy hard covers or signed hard covers or bookmarks or limited edition stuff. And, um, she gave some of her members access to her overstock so they could buy. Uh, some yeah. Of this stuff. Yeah. Like there's a whole bunch of different things you can do if you're really creative. And she had a lot of great ideas in there that I had never even thought about. Um, and then, you know, she, the, the cool thing was that she went through sort of the mistakes she made and, and how she sort of figured out what worked best. And that gives you sort of a uh, leg up if you're going to go do it, you don't have to go through some of those growing pains. Absolutely. Learn from other people's mistakes, which yeah. actually is a really great segue into the next uh, podcast, which was one of my favorites from this year as well. Yeah. So the next one would be uh, episode 63, which would be the bestseller blueprint. Uh, Caitlin Silva came on and she, uh, so Caitlin has her own podcast. The, um, the one minute, is it the one minute uh I was on it, so I should know. <laughs> <laughs> Let me uh, just check really quickly. It the is one-minute called... memory span. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> it was, it's called One Minute Writing Tip. Um, and so uh, I had done that back in, I believe, March. And so I, I got her to uh, come on to our show as well. And she talked about how to, um, you know, the steps, the blueprint, that it takes from going from sort of idea to bestseller and everything in between. Right. That I was... thought this, this episode was so valuable because there are so many people that's, you know, that's the first question they ask when we do consult calls. Sometimes it's just like, how do you launch a book? And there's no, there's no one way to do it, but it is really interesting to hear one person's way to do it because you can try that and then you can tweak it yourself. And I mean, 
that's the launch strategy that's that's what makes or breaks you as an author isn't it you can write the best book in the world but it will languish in obscurity unless you do a really strong launch yeah and she even said like there was different launch strategies and she went through a few of the of the different launch strategies that you can run and um i think you're right like it's not that you need specifically to have to follow these steps exactly to to have a bestseller and in fact listen you could you could follow steps and not have a bestseller but the point i think of that episode was more about the idea that you know, figuring out this blueprint or a plan, whatever works for you, and and hers was a good starting point, and then following it, and then tracking it, and the success and 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 failure of each step and and how each one works allows you then on the next book to improve on the things that didn't work. You know, if you do it sort of willy nilly and you just sort of fly by the seat of your pants, and things don't work out, sometimes it's hard to sort of figure out exactly you know, where it went wrong next time so that, you know, you're like, okay, I don't remember, did I do this or did I do that? Or what, what order did I do it in? And maybe if I switch that up, if you don't remember, because you, you know, you, you were sort of just going as you, as you thought of each thing, which is, you know, the way I used to do it, um, then, you know, it makes it a lot harder to be able to either replicate the success or to uh, fix issues that came up. And also to, to be adaptable. I know what I really think, knocked me yeah. uh, when I when I was publishing was when um, Amazon started introducing the advertising into the, the product pages. And I used to I used to launch my book for free and like be guaranteed a really good spot once I did that and that would bring in thousands of dollars per month and that just disappeared. And so having a good launch strategy is there, it allows you to pivot. So it's like, okay, go from giving your book away for free. Uh, pay a little more, get your book uh, sold as for 99 cents or something like that. Maybe that's what's going to get you the, the ranking, the visibility that you used to be able to get from free. So, yeah, having a plan and a strategy is so important. And yeah, she got quite and I mean, what's that? Oh, she got quite tactical, too, about, you know, do this, do that, do that. Yeah, yeah. And she, I mean, she laid it out not just from the stage of you know after your book was written but she she went right from the beginning from like idea you know mapping out your your um your plan of your story and and you know writing it and then editing it and uh getting your cover done and and all the steps and and which is helpful for for new authors for sure right because sometimes they don't know the steps right and that's like you were saying sometimes that's when they come to us they they they're just getting started and they're like I don't know what to do and I don't know where to go. And um, so, you know, if you do that all ahead of time, you sort of you're saving time and you're saving stress too, right? You can just be like, I got to do this, this, and this. I don't have to like now realize that I don't know what to do. And, and I committed to, you know, putting it out in this promo, but I don't yet have a cover because I didn't realize I had to do, you know, find the cover designer and, you know, like all the, all the things that you have to do, if you have it laid out in a plan and a blueprint, um, it just, it makes it all flow so much easier and it's going to lead you to success a lot faster. Absolutely. And that's the thing you can learn from, from other writers and, you know, she's presenting this blueprint, but uh, that's the value. I think we, we found when we were part of like writers groups and stuff like that, we, we shared our knowledge and shared what worked and shared what didn't work, which that's kind of an elegant segue into our next episode that we're going to talk about. Yeah, for sure. So um, the next one is episode 67, which was uh, all about writers groups. And uh, Mimi Barber was the guest at that time. And so Mimi had started um, uh, a group of authors that um, were sort of writing the same sort of stuff. And, um, you know, they put together a community, an online community that uh, they used to sort of help each other promote their books and, um, you know, just learn about things together, right? Which is always something that that you and I have talked about were was something that was super important to us when we started. Absolutely, and it, and so there. I mean, Mimi's group is a, is a great is a great group, and like has specific things that have done so well. But I think any group, anytime you're talking to authors, especially when there are authors who've been successful. Uh, in that group can be so valuable. I mean, I remember in our writing group when we got started together, there was that thing when KDP got launched, no, uh, KDP Select got launched for the first time. 
and it was all right uh, the, the the chap in charge of our writing group was like you need to get in on this you need to get in on this and i did because of that and that with those you know it, it skyrocketed my earnings and i might have procrastinated for months and ummed and erred and if and but but the fact that you can talk to other authors who've already done it and seen seen the value of it means that you just get to yeah bypass all of the the learning and the mistakes and the trial and error oh you yeah for sure i i don't even think i would have had um the success that i had without that group because i you know different people think in different ways right so you know i would have probably approached writing you know and self-publishing very differently and then being exposed to other authors with other ideas um and that have tried other things and then you know you build on their success and um you know it's just it just takes you to that other level so much faster than than you would get to on your own um the rising tide lifts all ships right so uh i think that that's that's one of the biggest things that um being part of a community does for you. And, and, you know, there's lots of different ways. And and I know that there are a lot of sort of public groups out there, you know, um, that people can join. There's Reddit groups. There's, there's all sorts of, um, of different, you know, K boards. Uh, there's all sorts of different things, but, but what Mimi was talking about was sort of a different thing than those sort of public forums. I think the problem with the public forums a lot of times is, uh, you know, there's, first of all, the community is much larger. So it's harder to sort of build those bonds and those relationships with the other authors, because, you know, there's just so many people and they're, they're coming and going and you see different people all the time. Um, but also I think that, you know, a lot of authors are sort of more cautious about sharing things in a public forum because, well, for a couple of reasons, one, because you don't know what, people are going to do with that information. And, and I think we've seen cases where authors have, you know, said something about themselves and, and um, shared their pen names, for example, and then had other authors that were part of that board sort of start doing negative things or, or leaving bad comments, yeah. you know, I mean, it's, it's sad, but you know, it happens. It doesn't always happen. And, but, you know, it can happen and, and it's more likely to happen in sort of those more open and anonymous and, and public forums. Uh, and then the other reason being that, you know, some people figure something out um, that works well for them and they don't mind sharing it with a few people. But if they share it with everyone, then it sort of potentially dilutes the the value of whatever that thing is. Uh, like if everyone if you figure out something that's doing well and then all of a sudden everyone's doing it, it doesn't do as well, right? It's funny, people, you know, Mark Dawson's uh, ads for authors course, everyone says it was great for all the authors who were in there originally. And then after a while, it became like, every. this is how every successful author is doing it. So it actually reduces the effectiveness of that particular strategy. Yeah, yeah. And we've talked about that before where, you know, when you and I started, I think I, one of my, the first book, of mine that made it to the, to the bestseller list. And it was like, it did well. It did. I think I was in the top 10 or 20 on Amazon, Never mind on romance. It was on Amazon. And that was on, I think $300 worth of ad spend. Um, And then by the end, you know, you could spend thousands and not, not move the needle the same way because so many authors were doing Facebook when we started, like nobody was doing it. And it was like, our books were, were like one of the only ones being promoted. So sure we did well, but then once everybody starts doing it, it's like, okay, well now that, you know, a, that the, the ad spend cost goes up, right. Because the cost per click, there's so many more people doing it and B, you know, the amount of people that can click on each potential book goes down because they're being spread out between all the other books. And so the value of it goes down. So your cost goes up, your value goes down and it just became harder and harder to, um, to make good money, through you know low ad spend and that's where if you're part of a closed author group they can be like hey have you tried tiktok have you tried bookbub have you tried this have you tried you know the great piece of advice you gave me is have you tried not writing romance novels about mma fighters and i did that and it's like oh (laughs) yeah well you know there is a there is a market for that but i don't think it was as big as you'd hoped right (laughs) absolutely absolutely 
but yeah, I mean, uh, you know, and, and I think what with Mimi's group, um, you know, they took a more hands-on approach. Uh, I remember she was talking about how she was, um, everybody in the group sort of had a role, right? There was somebody who was in charge of, you know, the website, somebody who was in charge of, you know, collecting the, the fees because, you know, they were, they were paying to host it. So they just sort of split those costs between everybody. So, you know, it, 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 it depending on how you do it, there are sometimes, uh, you know, more overhead involved, but it sounds like it was, it was certainly worth it for her. That group has been going on for many, many years. Um, and, and successfully they're all the, many of them are, are, uh, you know, best-selling authors. And, um, <clears throat> and a lot of that has to do with how helpful they were for each other. When you and I were doing it, it was a private group, but it was a private Reddit group. So we didn't actually have to do sort of any of that. We had, there was a couple people that were moderators. I think I was one of the moderators and, um, and, but there was no, you know, we didn't have to worry about website hosting and, and all that business. Um, you know, it was just, that was all taken care of it. We took care of for you. And there's probably other ones out there now. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, it, you know, anybody can start one. And if you have a group of like-minded authors to, to bring together, you can, you can really do well. I think I mentioned in that podcast, there was one moment, you know, we all used to be writing stories and make you know, we got excited when one person made more than a thousand a month. And then there was that one person who was like, I made more than $10,000 in a month. And the next month, a bunch of us authors did because it was almost like, Hey, if he can do it, I can do it. Yeah. Once you see something is possible, it becomes, you know, it becomes almost like easy, not easy necessarily, but like, you know, when you have that mental thing, like, oh, nobody can make that much money. You don't really try to make that much money because you figure nobody can do it. And then you see somebody did it and you're like, oh, and then you start <laughs> changing your, your ways and you're like, oh, but like without that community, you, you, you know, you wouldn't learn those things. And that's why I think the community is so important. I, I think the other thing is, um, you know, the idea of, building on a community even if you're not part of you know an official you know group a small private group or whatever you know being known in the author uh, world you know self-publishing community i don't want to say it's small it's not small but a lot of the authors in your genre sort of know each other um you know every time we talk to authors they always reference all the other authors that they know and um and they're helping each other and they or they know of each other you know some people become bigger names than others obviously but but i think that you know things like um getting yourself out there and known in the author community is another way of doing that aside from uh you know doing the being part of uh, a specific group right so for instance the authors that come on to to this podcast or other podcasts you know they're not doing it to promote their books necessarily because our audience is not uh readers i mean sure yeah. authors read right but but the idea is not that you're coming on to say hey i wrote this this romance novel the idea is you know a to to help the author community by teaching them something that that you are good at that maybe they can learn from um, and in the hopes that, you know, they're also going to one day share what they know back to you, but also B it's to be become known to your fellow authors so that, you know, if, if opportunities come from that, you make your opportunities by becoming known so that when somebody says, Hey, I need, you know, I need some, somebody who knows something about Patreon. Then they go and they see that episode and then they contact Kay and then they talk to her and maybe there's some synergies where they work together and, and something happens. Right. So it's just, it just helps to sort of be known in the community and, you know, things like this or, or writing uh, articles for, for websites and stuff. There's lots of ways you can sort of become known in the community, even if you're not uh, part of a, of a private group. Absolutely. Yeah. So then um, the, so that was number uh, three, I guess we're five, four, three. Yep. So for number two, so this is the uh, second most popular of the podcasts we've done uh, in 2023. Uh, it was episode 60 uh, with Golden Angel and that was Backlist Mining. Yeah, this is another great, great video. Uh, well, not video, podcast. But no, I found it really, really valuable because I think these days with 
advertising being so prevalent and with launches not like being as stratospheric as they used to be, uh, being able to earn money from the books you've already published is invaluable. And I think it's over the long term, that is going to be your route to a successful writing career. It's like if you can get your books to to pay for you to write your new books, then you, you've hit the you, you're golden. <laughs> exactly, you're, you're you're a golden angel. <laughs> yes, um, I think you know one of the things that a lot of authors forget um, is that their backlist still has a lot of value, right? You know, you're always focused on your next big thing, your next book, and and you should be. There's obviously you want to put most of your focus into your latest release. But there's a lot of time in between where you don't have a new release. And even when you do, there's no reason to ignore your backlist. Those are all words that you wrote and that still have total value. Um, you know, with books, especially, you know, the genres, fantasy, science fiction, romance, YA, you know, they don't, it's not like they get old. Um, you know, maybe maybe in a lot of years, the science fiction might seem dated, but but most of that stuff, most of the genres, you know, that information isn't isn't going bad. And you know, just because somebody didn't buy it when it first came out, doesn't mean you know they're not going to enjoy it just as much a year later, year after it came out, if they never read it before. So um, you know, people ignore their backlist thinking that they always just want to sell their latest book, but there's lots of people. There's always new readers um, that haven't read your previous books. Yeah. I mean, I notice whenever I publish a new book, sales for the first book in my series normally match the sales for the new book in the series, just because people are like, Oh, this new book looks interesting, but I want to start from the beginning of the series. And so having your books connected and setting up like a, a, a strategy to make sure that you are a, uh, connecting all of your books making it easy for people who like one book to find your other book is is hugely valuable and just magnifies the impact of everything you do yeah and i mean you don't even have to have a series it definitely helps that that's i mean when you have a series or at least connected uh books it's even easier but if even if you don't um you know people are still gonna if they like your book they're still going to look back and see what else you've written and, and give those ones a try. But I mean, if they're in the same genre, I mean, for sure they will. If they're in a totally different genre, that's, that's another story. But I know that like I, when I find a reader or an author that I like, I typically go and read all their stuff, you know, even if it's not a series. Yeah. And, and sometimes it's fun to discover stuff and, you know, how they wrote when they first started writing and where they uh, narrowed into, to, you know, their, their particular niche. I found with advertising as well, it's the, the, the money I make a majority of my money now advertising my older books because there was one book that was massively successful and it sold thousands and thousands of copies. But thousands of copies, even in the, the realm of the number of people who were subscribed to Kindle Unlimited, it's just a tiny fraction. So you're like... There are so many other people who've never seen this book before, and it's just a question of getting it in front of them. Yeah, and and I think a lot of people too they think of the idea. So so authors a lot of times the, the successful ones, and hopefully anyone listening to this is is always building their their subscriber list, their newsletter, uh, their you know their their list of fans that they can then send messages to, emails to to tell them about you know, their newest release, but that, but that isn't the only thing you need to tell them about. You, you absolutely can talk about your old books. And I think that a lot of authors think, well, you know, if they're on my list, they're my, they're a fan and, you know, they probably read the old ones. So why would I, you know, promote those ones? But that's, that's not necessarily the case. There's people are joining your list all the time and likely from your latest release that just got pushed and, and maybe you got a book bub or maybe you, you know, you, you, you advertise it in a different place and now you're, you're getting all sorts of new readers um, that sign up and they never, they haven't read all your stuff. And, and sure, there are people like us that will actively go and, and say, Oh, I like this author. I'm going to go read their old books. But some people don't think to do that. They just they'll sign up. They say, I did like this book and they'll sign up. And then, you know, if you send them an email and say, Hey, you know, here's some other books that you might like, you know, you might, you might get more sales out of it. It's not just, sure, there will be people that have read that. And so, you know, those aren't relevant to them, but, you know, the content of your newsletter is never going to be relevant to everybody. So, 
and it doesn't have to be the only thing you talk about in your newsletter, right? You could you could talk about whatever you're going to talk about, and then at the end, always have something about one of your books, and it doesn't always have to be the latest book. Yeah, and it's kind of nice to to go and revisit them. I sometimes read my old books, and I'm like, who the hell wrote this? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and I think you know, Golden Angel was was filled with uh, with great ideas for how to promote it. It wasn't just you know newsletter, uh, but I think the one I remember that I really liked and I hadn't really you know ever sort of thought of before is she talked about that uh, that book club that she ran that she and some other authors uh, had put together, and it, this was something where she and other authors that write in the same genre got together and they. Um, basically promoted the idea of this uh this book club that if you sign up you would get a new book every month and these would be books that are for sale on amazon um but they're not you know they're not free so there's value there right i mean obviously if you're saying we're going to give you a book that that's perma free there's not a lot of value there they can just go do that anyway but um the idea is that you know let's say there's 12 authors and they all get together and they all commit to giving one book every month. <clears throat> you, the, so, so then all these authors um, sort of promote that book club to their own lists. So let's say you have 12 authors and each pe- each author has, I don't know, two, only 200 people on their list. Well, you know, that's 2,400 people now that you can potentially get on your master list and those people may are probably coming from one person out of the 12. So yeah, they've read the book for January, let's say, but they haven't read all those other books and they haven't discovered those other authors that write in the same genre. So now, you know, they're, they're getting a book for free and they're discovering a new author in a genre they already like and potentially earning money by when they go and they buy from the backlist of those authors. Um, And that to me is an absolutely amazing idea, right? Because it's sort of like expands your reach to other people in the same genre um, just by partnering up as we were talking just a moment ago about the value of having other authors in your community and and being and knowing them and, and, and hooking up with them and the synergies and the, and the opportunities that can arise. This is one of them. You meet up with a bunch of people and you start up as something like that. Now you have this, this group of, you know, 12 times as many people that can read your book, can sign up for your newsletter, can, you know, buy your backlist. It's just, it really, really expands your reach. And, and uh, I think it was, it's a phenomenal idea. And it just shows the value of like having more than one book out. A lot of people are like, how do I promote this one book? It's like, you know, apart from Harper Collins, all the, no, not Harper Collins, Harper Lee, all of the, the, the great authors just wrote more and more books, but that's how you do it. That's how you make a career out of this. Yeah. I, I mean, sure. You, anybody can have a runaway success, but um, most people are sort of building on their success one book at a time. So um, you definitely want to, um, have multiple books and and so this is probably not something you would do if you only had one um but it's when you have a few uh that's another thing that you can do with the books on your back so especially if you find that you're not selling a lot of them anymore and and you aren't doing a lot of the um, the other techniques for for promoting your backlist this is pretty much an easy way to do it where you know you're just getting together with a bunch of other authors and you each give away a book that's for sale but that maybe isn't selling as much anymore because it's older. You know, it doesn't mean, again, it doesn't mean it doesn't have value. It just means that, you know, you're done promoting that one and you've moved on to another one, but, but all those other people, they, they haven't necessarily read it before. So, you know, I think it's a, it's a fabulous idea. So then finally, number one on our list, and this one actually, um, it was almost double the amount of of uh, listens and views as as even number two uh, definitely it was double you know number five and and it was you know so it, it was a runaway <laughs> success um, and that was uh, episode fifty nine on AI writing uh, with Nathan Cole and um, you know this is something that I'm a big fan of uh, you know ChatGPT and and the AI stuff in general and I've talked about it 
uh, in various forms uh, and, and, you know, on my newsletter and, and I think we talked about in the blog, uh, but this is really a very exciting and scary sort of thing, right? Yeah, it's, I mean, that's such a, it's such a, a relevant topic right now, isn't it? Everyone's talking about it. Everyone's experimenting with it. You've got Elon Musk writing a letter saying, like, we need to have a moratorium on AI development for six months. Uh, we've all been watching Terminator movies with, with closer, uh, a closer retrospection now. Um, yeah, you paused. I was just making sure you, ha- you hadn't paused. So, I mean, AI is what everyone is talking about. Yeah, I, I think that um, not just for writing, right? They're talking about it. I, I, I think the thing is with, with AI or sorry, with anything, you know, you're going to see the internet is sort of a, an echo chamber, right? The more things you search, the more you're going to see them in your sort of results and your news feeds and whatever. So I, I think sometimes it's, I'm unsure how popular it's becoming because I'm into uh AI stuff. And so a lot of my feeds and a lot of my news articles that I see are about it, right? So then I start to think, oh, everybody's re-. but but it is becoming sort of very, very mainstream now. And um, I think at this point, everybody's sort of heard about it. Everybody's sort of sort of if they're not excited about it, they might be wary about it. <laughs> and both of those are perfectly valid. Um, but I think ignoring it is the only thing you shouldn't do. You know, I think that, Absolutely. you know, uh, it's okay to be excited about it and it's okay to be scared about it, but I don't think you should ignore it. Now, I think what's really interesting that, uh, that Nathan showed us was um, how it's a tool. Because I think, I guess if you said, hey, Adobe Premiere Pro is going to end the movie industry because it means anyone can make a movie. It's like, no, anyone can edit a movie uh, and it gives the, all these powerful tools, but you still have to, be able to do the things to do it. And it's like Nathan was kind of did a really good job of explaining how AI can be a tool to help you write, but it's really not in the stage where it's going to write your book for you at this point. Right. And I mean, that's what people have to understand is um, that at least currently (laughs) it's not going to put you out of work and, you know, probably not for a while at least, but you can still use it as a tool to help speed your writing, help edit your writing, help improve your writing, help brainstorm for your writing. You know, that's where I think it really shines for me at least, because I use it. I mean, you know, there's times where I, you know, I have trouble thinking of, you know, something specific and I, I just ask ChatGPT about it and it like tells me and it gives me an idea about it. And then you go, I'll have a back and forth. And I wrote about this actually in a, in a recent newsletter where I did a prompt um, where I said, you know, imagine you're in a, uh, in a writer's room, you know, on a television sitcom and uh, you know, come up with three personalities that are all different and have a different sort of sense of humor and different sort of writing style. And um, I'm the lead writer and let's um, brainstorm the idea for a sitcom. And I, I mean, I'm not ashamed to say I spent like an hour <laughs> of going back and forth, <laughs> having a discussion with these like three writers in the writer's room on ChatGPT, coming up with, with what I thought was a pretty good idea uh, by the end of it. And it's not one that I would have thought of on my own. Right. But, but it also didn't come directly from ChatGPT. It came from, you know, ChatGPT, you know, the, the, the personality saying, hey, what about this? What about this? And me saying, yeah, I don't really like that. Or that's really cliche or, you know, or I like that idea. Why don't we do this instead? And then we jump on that idea. And then, you know, and maybe that idea wouldn't pan out. And I'm saying, ah, let's go back and start again. And and eventually something would evolve and, and you guide it, right? But it sort of takes you sometimes into places that you wouldn't have gone on your own which I think is really, really interesting. You know, really I think that's so valuable. I mean, um, there's that old adage when you're writing a book and you get writer's block, you should write a scene where the hero or heroine comes home and finds their apartment has been ransacked. And then you have to like, you know, it's that, that wild card. I think with AI, when you're, you're doing these things, they, it can provide you with wild cards that you might not thought about, might not have thought about. Yeah, and I think that um, you know people are using it too uh, to do like things like blurbs, um, 
and to uh, sort of improve on their writing. Like you could take something that isn't polished, you know, the notes from a meeting, let's say, and you put it in and you say, turn this into a PowerPoint slide or a, an email or whatever. Right. And it just, it just speeds up that process. Even if you're not using it verbatim, you know, you can say, um, you know, create a job posting that for somebody that does this and, you know, focuses on this and it'll just spit it out for you in, in the format it needs to be. People are getting it to, you know, improve on their resumes and improve on their cover letters. Right. It's just, it's really, really taken, things to another level uh, for non-writers and writers alike. Um, and I think that, you know, it's true that it will put some people out of work. Uh, but I don't think that writers really have to worry about it. I think it's, and not yet at least, it's just something that, you know, we should use as a tool more more than anything else. Um, and, you know, it, it's just it just makes things easier. And anyone who hasn't tried it yet, I mean, I definitely urge them to give it a try because, you know, first of all, it's free, so why not? But, um, but you know, you might you might find that it's it's it, it can help you, but you might also, if it's something that you're sort of worried about, you might also find that you don't necessarily have anything to worry about yet. I don't think it's going to be writing books and replacing authors just yet. No, I mean, even down to blurbs, it's like, you know, one of the things I do is I write blurbs to people. It's not, it's not, a, it can write a serviceable blurb, but it can't write a good blurb. But then again, what it can do is it, I find it quite useful when you ask it to write a blurb for something. Maybe the blurb that it comes up with isn't what you want to, to use, but often it will highlight the parts of the book or, or what you feed it that are the, the real moments of conflict that would, if you focus on those, it would make your own blurb stronger. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it's definitely, a, I find as well, like I'll use it to do something like that as well. And I'll use it like often to sort of like sum up, you know, a blog post or something. And then I'll take that and I'll rework it myself. And then sometimes I'll just, I'll go back and forth a whole bunch of times, right. Where I'll say, you know, I don't like what it wrote, but I liked a couple of the lines or the wording choices it, it did. And then I, I rewrite it and then I, put it back in and then it changes it. And then I'll take the pieces I like and I, you know, rearrange them or whatever. And it's, and it, and it's really, really useful that way. Like it's just, it saves a lot of time. I mean, I'm a, I think when I was writing full time, I was a much faster writer. Now I'm a, I'm a much slower writer. And it, it for me, it, it really has sped things up a lot, right? Like I can get there, but it would take me a lot longer. And now I get there just, you know, way faster. Um, but I think, you know, Nathan is one of those guys that like just goes all in on what he's trying to figure out. He was, he was the one who was uh, the person who started the writing group that you and I were part of. And, um, you know, he was instrumental in sort of leading it and guiding it. And he's doing sort of the same thing with, uh, with the AI tools. Like he's, he just jumped right in. He's, put them on his own servers and he's, you know, he's constantly just figuring stuff out. He's, I'm part of a, of a private uh, writing group that he's in and he's always, you know, posting about it and um, talking about what he's learned. So I, I definitely want to get him back on uh, to talk more about it in the future. If he, if he wants to come on um, because, you know, with AI, it moves so fast. Like, you know, it's already miles beyond where it was when he was on, just a couple months ago. Uh, and, and in fact, um, there's an article about, I think it was an internal memo or email that Google had sent where they're basically saying like, you know, they're kind of worried about the fact that AI has moved so fast and become so like it's gone open source, you know, meta, went and they they leaked some version of their uh ai model called lambda um that people could use and when they did that uh it was it was incredible how fast people took that and improved on it and it was like every few days you were seeing crazy new advances you know like we look at open AI and it's run on all these servers and you hear about this all the time, how Bing, cause Bing invested, you know, $10 billion in it to put it into Microsoft, to put it into Bing. 
and um, talking about how much they're losing every day because when people do the searches, it's costing them money on the servers because it's running this massive model, right? But you know, people took this Lambda model and within a few days, they were ha- they had it running on a Raspberry Pi, right? Which <laughs> is like it's like a, like a computer on a chip or on a on a car. Uh, and you know, obviously it was it was super slow and it you know wasn't the same. But then within a few more days, you know, they they advanced even further, and now you can run it on a laptop, you can run it on a desktop, you can you can train a model of your own for like a hundred bucks, you know, and, and have it running on your own desktop, your own version of ChatGPT, And, you know, people have done studies and they found that it's almost as good as ChatGPT, even though you have it running on your own system. And this is just within like a month or two of this model getting released. Like it's just exploding. Um, so what it can do today, what it could do a few months ago is different than what it'll be doing in a few months from now it's moving at a lightning pace and again i'm not super concerned that it's going to start writing novels for us but um you know if you ignore it i think you're really missing out on a on an incredibly powerful tool that can really take you to another level and you want to be in on the ground floor of that oh yeah for sure for sure i mean you know it'll be um it'll be writers it won't be writers versus ai it'll be writers versus writers that use ai you know like it'll be the writers that use ai will have the advantage over the writers that don't in in some cases it won't just it won't be you know writers against just ai by itself so i think that that's where you want to be you want to be embracing that tool as it grows so that you can grow with it and you're not sort of left behind yeah that's true true that and hopefully we'll we'll get Nathan back yeah but i think that's it that was number 1 and uh that probably takes us to the end of this episode as well i think yeah but i think that's it's been fun to to go over those again and it, i think it's yeah. been really valuable so hopefully if there are people listening who who missed any of those go back and find them and we can i'm sure we can put links down below or something like that for the top 5 episodes you can go straight to them yeah and like i said if you have any thoughts about kickstarter any questions um that you want us to ask then um put them in the comments below send us an email through the website or whatever and uh and we'll we'll do our best to to get you some answers in our chat with uh with a kickstarter director of publishing next week that sounds fantastic great so I guess that wraps things up. Hopefully everyone has been uh, enjoying this episode. If so, let us know in the comment section down below. Leave us a comment. Tell us which uh, which podcast you liked, if there's one that we missed out. Because uh, we were just going off the numbers, weren't we? But if there's a particular yeah. podcast that you've liked this year, let us know down below. And if you haven't already, make sure to hit that subscribe button. And I guess any final thoughts, Craig? Uh, no, just, uh, you know, thanks everyone for listening. If you have um, ideas about future guests you want to see on the show if you want to come on the show and you have something you want to talk about reach out to us we're always happy to hear from you and uh, otherwise we'll uh, see you again next week absolutely don't be a stranger so we'll be back next week with another episode of fully booked until then uh stay tuned